0: Hey, thanks for joining us online at Genesis Today. My name is Jerry, and I'm one of the pastors here. We're especially glad to have you joining us if you're new or visiting. And and just drop a comment for us in the comment section and let us know so we can follow up with you this week. Uh, But if you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, you know that we've been in this series where we're looking at some of Jesus' most famous teachings called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's called that because when he gave this sermon, he sat down on the side of a hill that was overlooking the sea, of Galilee, and he gave these famous teachings that, that many of us can, can actually repeat back to us. It's that familiar to us. So if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you right now to turn to Matthew chapter 7 because that's where we're going to be today. And as we jump into Matthew chapter 7, here's what's interesting. We're going to be looking at the beginning to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. I know that's kind of a weird way for me to describe it, but that'll make more sense in just a moment. But what we'll find, what you'll find in Matthew chapter 5 and 6, Jesus speaks directly to his disciples, and he's got some really powerful, life-giving teachings. He begins by telling his followers, hey, you are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, but essentially what he's telling us is, look, I want you to flavor the world with my Father's love. And I want you to bring your light, God's light, into this dark and scary world. So he says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And then in Matthew 6, he teaches on all kinds of different topics. He talks about prayer and fasting. He warns against materialism and how to overcome worry. And then he warns his followers about the danger of judging other people. And then he goes on and he continues on and he challenged, we talked about this a few weeks ago, he he challenges his followers, hey, when when someone mistreats you, you respond to them with grace. You turn the other cheek. These are teachings, again, that we've heard a lot before. Last week, we talked about the fact that he instructed his followers to live lives of private generosity so that our heavenly father can receive uh, the, the glory for the things that we do. And so there's a lot of good stuff packed into the Sermon on the Mount. But as we get to chapter 7, Jesus actually pumps the brakes a little bit. In verse 13, he stops and he brings all of his teaching to a head. And he does this by giving a very specific command. Now, I'm going to read this passage, and I want you to see if you can find the command. It says this, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So did you see the command? It's right here, enter through the narrow gate, and I'll be honest and admit, there's a lot of times I've read this sermon and I've I've just kind of blitzed right past it. But Jesus is saying, "Look, it's good that you can hear what I'm saying. It's good that you hear my teaching, but I want you to pay attention." And He gives this command to slow us down to catch to catch our attention, because what He's going to tell us here in just a moment, this this teaching today has everything to do with life and death, or, or better yet, using Jesus's own words heaven and hell. These are the things that hang in the balance. So he says, don't just listen to me. Don't just hear me. Be very careful what you do with these teachings, because what you do with them, how you apply them matters the most. And so before we jump into the passage, I just want to take a moment and pray. And I want to ask for the Holy Spirit's help to to open up these familiar words to us so that we don't just hear them, but we leave and we go out into the world around us and we apply them in such a way that we make sure that we're on the path that Jesus wants for us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I, I thank you for these familiar words. I'm, thank you, I'm thankful that, that, that Matthew wrote them down and captured them for us. Holy Spirit, would you open up our eyes and our minds and our hearts and our ears to what you would want us to hear today and help us not just to hear these things, but help us to find practical ways to apply them and to live them out so that when it all comes down to it, our feet are on the right path that we end up at the destination that you have planned for us. There's a lot in the balance here, Father. Help us to tune in and pay attention. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, I have kind of a weird question I want you to think about. How long have you lived at the house where you're at right now? Maybe it's a house or an apartment. But how long have you lived there? And, and here's another question behind that one. Where have you lived at the longest in your life? It seems kind of weird, right? My dad is 66 years old, and he has lived in the same house for his entire life. He lives in the house that his mom and dad, my grandparents, raised their 11 kids in. And my dad bought that house from them. He raised his four children in this same house. I was home visiting him at this house this last weekend. And so as you might imagine, my dad's house is really special. Our family, and after living there for 66 years, my dad knows every crack and every leak, everything there is to know about this house. And 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 speaking of leaks, well, my dad's basement leaks a lot. But my dad's basement isn't like a normal basement. It's honestly, it's a cellar. And if you don't know what a cellar is, it's it's just kind of old and dark, and it smells like a cave. And there's not bats and and secret passages, but it's a lot. It's kind of like a cave, right? Well, several years ago, as in right after. I got married and moved out of the house. My mom and dad made a decision. They thought, you know, now that Jerry's gone, we need to upgrade to satellite TV, which was not real cool because up to that point in time, we had only had five television stations for me and my four siblings to watch, okay? But now that I'm out of the house, they, they think that my siblings needed 500 stations to choose from. And so I just, I can't get over this thought of like, real cool, mom and dad, like you couldn't do that while I was, while I was still at home, but, that, but that's beside the, the point. Well, here was the problem. In my mom and dad's house, the TV is situated over here, And the best place to get satellite reception is is on the upstairs where the bedrooms are, on the opposite side of the house. My dad lives in a valley. And this is the only way this was was going to work. But there was another problem that my dad hadn't factored into this. In order to to connect the TV and the satellite, someone was going to have to run a hardwired cable from the TV through my mom and dad's stinky cellar basement and into a very narrow passageway in a crawl space just to make the connection. And my dad and my mom and my three siblings are terribly claustrophobic, okay? They cannot stand small spaces. They will not ride in elevators. They freak out. If you hug them too tight or too long, they're like, get off of me, right? I am the only person in my family that's not claustrophobic. So one day... I'm at my apartment, and my mom and dad call, and my, my dad's like, hey, Jerry, it's so good to talk to you. Gosh, I miss you. I, I know it's just been a couple of days, but I love you so much. I'm like, well, gosh, Dad, I, I miss you too. I, I love you too. And then he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Look, I need your help. I need you to be here in 30 minutes. And he hangs up the phone, and I'm like, well, what? that was, that was kind of weird. Now, obviously, I'm exaggerating this slightly, but what I didn't realize was my dad was inviting me over because he wanted me to be the person that was going to connect that cable, okay? And I had to go. What I learned was I was going to have to go through their nasty basement and crawl into this tiny crawl space. Now, I want to show you a picture of what this looks like, and this won't mean anything for you, okay? I was there this weekend. I visited. I had to go back through this hole right here, and what you can't tell is that goes back for about 20 or 25 feet into utter darkness, but what you can't grasp here is how narrow and wide this passage is, okay? It's about this wide. I couldn't get in there and crawl on all fours. I had to make a decision as I got back into that hole. Am I going to kind of slink through like this on my stomach, or am I going to go on my back? The passage was so tight, my dad had to duct tape a flashlight to a 15-foot pole and hold it over my body so I could see where I was going, okay? Now, by the way, I should probably mention this. How many of you are afraid of spiders? Because I don't like spiders, but I'm terrified of snakes, most of all, okay? And if ever there was a place in my parents' house where a snake was going to live, it's back this passageway. But this is the way we had to go in order to get satellite TV. And so because I love my dad and because I liked the idea of having free ESPN anytime I wanted, I was willing to go back through this hole. So I go back through there. And remember how I told you their basement leaks a lot? Well, right about the time that my feet disappeared from sight, they heard me make an awful noise. And it was because as I was shimmying back like this, I entered into a puddle of water that came halfway up my arm. So now I'm laying in the dark in in this cold, muddy, nasty, stinky water waiting to be eaten by a family of boa constrictors. Also, we can have satellite TV. Well, needless to say, I made it through the passage, we connected the cable, and then I had to go all the way back out through that mess to get out. And for the last 20 years, I'm happy to report that our family has been able to enjoy countless hours of, of television, all thanks to yours truly. And uh, this last weekend when I was home visiting my dad, I said, hey dad, I just think it's only fair that whenever you die, which I hope isn't soon, but whenever you die, I think I should get this house because... I know things about this house that not even you know, and he didn't necessarily agree. But here's my point, here's my point. There are just some times in life where there's only one way in and one way out of a situation, right? And as we turn the corner in Matthew chapter seven to bring the end to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, hey, I want you to pay attention because I'm gonna talk to you about one way, and it's not one way to get satellite TV. It's actually one way that's a lot more important. The idea that Jesus wants to talk to us about here is the one way to find true joy or to experience utter destruction. The one way to life or or whether it leads to death or or to be more clear using Jesus' own words. The one way to enter the kingdom of God versus being separated from God forever in hell. Now that sounds pretty heavy, doesn't it? I want to read Matthew 7, 13 and 14 again. And listen to these words. It starts with the command, but listen to everything he says. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few will find it. Now, what's Jesus saying here? He's saying the direction and final destination of your life ultimately is going to come down to choosing one of two paths. There's not a third option here. There's this way or there's that way. And they both lead to very different places. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Imagine that I invited you to travel out of town with my family on an all-expense-paid vacation somewhere. And I was going to, I'm going to pay for all of your expenses and you're going to get to choose the road that we're going to travel on. And and, and option A is a multi-lane extra wide highway that allows you to travel at very high speeds. It's really easy to find and it's super easy to navigate and it is a direct road. That's option A. Now option B is a little different. Option B is a one-lane country road it's kind of hard to find. It's easy to miss if you're not paying attention. And it, it has a speed limit. It doesn't get up over 45 very often. And it's not all paved. Parts of it are gravel, and some of it is dirt, and a lot of it is under construction. And it's kind of a hassle to travel on. Now, if I were to say, hey, I'm on an all-expense-paid trip, two paths, which path are you going to pick? It would be really hard to pass up the highway, wouldn't it? Well, maybe. But you forgot to ask me a really important question. You didn't ask me where those two paths lead. And, and because you didn't ask, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm a little disappointed. I'm not sure I want to travel out of town with you, right? Because more, th- more so than the road you travel, you should say, well, where are we going? Well, here's what you need to know. The wide highway that's easy to travel leads to Death Valley. It is known as one of the most dangerous natural locations in all of America. You don't travel to Death Valley. You avoid Death Valley. And oh, by the way, the little country road actually leads to one of the most beautiful scenes in all of the world, Yosemite National Park. Now, those are two drastically different locations. And, and how you get there is determined by the road that you choose. Now, wouldn't you agree, if you were traveling out of town, it just makes more sense. You, don't, you wouldn't choose a road. You would choose your final destination. And Jesus says, that's the point that I am trying to to make you gotta be really careful with where your feet are planted in the direction that you're going. And this is where Jesus has us at the, begin- at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, because his desire for me and for you and for all of us is to know our heavenly father in a restored relationship with him. That is our ultimate destination that Jesus wants for us. He says, but there's two paths and you get to choose. And one of the paths leads to your heavenly father and the other leads to eternal destruction. Now, I want to read Matthew 7 for you one more time, but I want to read it to you from one of my favorite English translations. It's the New Living Translation, and I want you to pay close attention to these words because it kind of brings it to life a little bit. Jesus says this in the New Living Translation, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. Only. That's kind of a big word, right? The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, he says. And the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Now, I I like that translation because it kind of brings it to life in a whole new way, doesn't it? And Jesus says, look, I I want you to know that there's, there's two paths. There's a wide gate, and there's a narrow gate. And the wide gate's easy to find. It's easy to access. It's very popular. Lots of people travel it. And you might be tempted to think, Well, it's good to go on, right? But there's just one problem. It's the highway to hell, and it leads to destruction. In other words, the wide gate leads to a terrible place that you would never, ever want to visit, and you certainly wouldn't want to stay there forever. And at the same time, Jesus says, well, there's also a narrow gate. But the problem is, I don't know, not many people find it. And even when some people find it, they don't want want to take it. It doesn't travel as easily. But here's the thing, Jesus says, that more difficult narrow road actually leads to paradise. And that's where God lives. And he wants you to join him there forever. So why would anyone ever choose the wide gate over the narrow gate? Well, it's, it's easy, Jesus says. Unfortunately, it's just the path of, of re- least resistance. It's, it's popular. It looks good. It sounds good. And on, on this broad path, since it's wide, guess what? You can bring all the luggage or, let's be honest, all the baggage with you that you want you can believe anything you want traveling on the wide road. You know what? You can even drive in reverse if you choose. There's really only one rule on the wide road. No, the rule is that it's just a one-way street and it's leading to a very bad place compared to the narrow road where the ramp's narrow and it's, it's, it's hard to find. You might miss it if you're not paying attention. But what good is a smooth, fast road or a highway that leads you to a place of danger, or worse yet, straight straight to hell. And again, this is why Jesus says, listen to me, enter through the narrow gate. So this brings us to a really good question. Okay, Jesus, there's a wide gate, there's a narrow gate. How do I find the narrow gate? It seems really, really important to you. Well, listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse nine. Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Now, that's kind of a game changer. Jesus is saying, pay attention. It's me that you're looking for. I will save you. And so we have to ask the question, well, what are you going to save me from? Well, he tells us in Matthew 7, he says, I will save you from death and destruction. Now, this is important. Jesus isn't just talking about physical death, like the physical death of our bodies, because we're all guaranteed to die. In fact, think about this. One of us will be next. We don't know when our days will end, but physically our bodies will, will wear out. So Jesus is talking about something more important than our physical bodies. He's talking about our spiritual existence. And I want you to think about this. From beginning to end in Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, Scripture teaches us that we've all been created and designed to, ex- to, to experience eternity in one of two places. We can, go, we can be in a restored relationship with God in heaven or We can settle for a damaged relationship with God that will actually lead us to hell forever. So as Jesus wraps up his sermon, he condenses that truth into this idea of these two pathways and you and I get to choose which path we will take. Now listen to what Jesus says in Luke's gospel. He talks about this idea again in Luke 13. He says this, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, now listen to this, many, I tell you, will try hard to enter and will not be able to. What's Jesus talking about? He's saying, look, you can't just know my teachings. You can't just know about me. You need to know me personally. Okay, You can't just hear these things. You have to apply them. And then if you go on and you keep reading in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus starts talking about trees. Seems kind of random, but he says, Here's, here, I want to drive this point home. There are good trees that will produce good fruit, and that's a good thing. But he also says there's bad trees that will produce bad fruit, and that's not good, and you know why. Jesus says those trees get cut down and they get thrown into a fire. Well, just in case you're wondering, Jesus isn't really talking about trees there. He's actually talking about people. He's talking about the path that we choose to step on and how we use our life for God or for ourselves. And he just makes it really clear. You can travel on a road that will lead you to eternal life with with your father, or you can travel your own path and it is guaranteed to lead you into hell. It sounds harsh, doesn't it? It It sounds scary. But I think that's why Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount this way. He says, I want to capture your attention. You cannot afford... To miss this. And so I just want to repeat these words one more time. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate, Jesus says. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for many who choose that way, but the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is very difficult and only a few ever find it. So where are your feet right now? Now maybe you're like me and you've reached a point in your life where you remember the day you have surrendered yourself to Jesus You knew that you had messed up, and you said, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I trust that your death on the cross paid for my sins. And if that is so, good news. You have found the narrow gate, you are on the narrow road, you are heading in the right direction, and that is a good thing. But here's what I want to challenge you with don't just check a box and say, Been there, done that. Jesus says, Now I want you to help others. Discover who I am. So he's given us a mission and a purpose in life. It's not just to know Jesus and to wait till we go to heaven. He says, I want you to make disciples right now. And some of us need to be reminded of that. But I'm going to guess that there's some of us that are listening today. And the more I talk about these two roads, you're getting pretty nervous because you realize, well, if there's a road that leads to heaven, there's a road that leads to hell. And the road that leads to heaven is through Jesus. I'm not on that road. I remember being there when I was in my early 20s, the day that I realized I am just living for myself. And I would would tell you that I'm not perfect, but I didn't have a plan for paying for my sins. And maybe the longer we talk about this, the more anxious you get. I want you to hear me say this, and this is really important. It's not too late. As long as you're breathing air in your lungs, there's something you can do about it. Because even though the highway to hell is a one-way street, you can still make a U-turn. In fact, the New Testament writers use a word called repentance. And if, you've, if you've always heard this word, but you don't know what it means, this is exactly what it means. It means if you're traveling this way away from God and you realize I'm heading in the wrong direction. In other words, I'm a sinner. I have damaged my relationship with God. Repentance is literally a 180-degree turn back towards God. But in this instance, Jesus says the off-ramp, is. it goes through him. When you take that U-turn, you come through Jesus. You admit you're a sinner. You trust in his sacrifice of his life on that cross to pay for your sins. And that's how you get back on the right road. And you are forgiven of your sins. You are filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And now you get to live and teach other people and lead other people to know who Jesus is. I want you to listen to what Jesus says about this in John 14, six. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one, no one, zero people, Get to the Father, except through me. I am the narrow gate, Jesus says. In Acts 4.12, Jesus' closest follower on the earth, the apostle Peter says this, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given given to mankind by which we must be saved. The name he's talking about is the name of Jesus. Those are some pretty narrow claims, aren't they? But if Jesus is who he says he is, and he's done what he's claimed to do, well, why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we trust him? And I realize the whole idea of, of the word narrow, it just sounds very restricting, but I want to challenge you with this. Instead of thinking it like God is trying to suck all the fun of your life, what if he is actually on this road that leads to him, is given us guardrails to live within, so we can know and understand what righteous living looks like in his kingdom, so that as we walk towards him, we bring others with us. So what might seem narrow and restricting is actually meant to be life-giving for all the rest of us. It's a life filled with joy and a life filled with peace, even when it's difficult, because we know our ultimate destination, Jesus will get us there, versus living life on our own and ending up in hell apart from God. That's a really big deal. Now, we're gonna talk about this next passage in a few weeks, but I just want you to listen how Jesus actually wraps up the Sermon on the Mount. He says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And he goes on to say, that man's house will stand up against the storm, but if you don't build your house on a solid foundation, there will be a day when it will crumble. So Jesus starts off talking about two paths and he ends by talking about two different builders. And I just wanna ask you, where are your feet? Which path are you on? What kind of builder are you? If you know and trust Jesus, then you should find comfort in knowing that you are on the path to eternal life with God. But if you're not, today's a day for you to make a decision. And I wanna invite you not just to think about it, but to talk to someone about it. You can drop us a comment right now. You can email me this week, j n a v i l l e at genesischurch.me. That's my personal email address. Talk to someone about this. But listen to Jesus's warnings. Know which path you're on. Enter through the narrow gate and find life, the life that your heavenly father has for you. Would you pray with me? Father, I'm thankful for this teaching. Uh, Growing up in the church, I've heard this passage so many times and it is so rich. It's so simple. It's not complicated. Jesus, you said, look, there's one way to be made right with your heavenly father and it's through me. That's a really bold claim. But I'm thankful for the day you revealed yourself to me that I could say my feet are on the path of righteousness because of who Jesus is. Father, I pray for my friends that are watching today. They're nervous, they're anxious. They realize I'm not on the right road. Would you lead them, Holy Spirit, in repentance? Would you lead them in making a U-turn and reorganizing their life around you, Jesus? Would you lead them in being baptized into Jesus? so they could experience this new life that you have for them. We love you. We thank you. Would you help us to apply these teachings? It's in your name we pray. Amen.